Hi everyone and welcome to Mom Your Own Way. I'm Lily Coco and today with me I have Rachel Amade who's not only a writer, musician, producer, worship leader, but she's also a mom. And today we're going to talk about not only her motherhood journey and her whole story as an individual, but also we're going to discuss kids, technology, and kind of how those are really intertwined in today's culture. So let's just start and get right into it. Rachel. Hi. Rachel, I'm a day, I'm a day, I'm a day, I'm a day. <laughs> you, you say it correctly. So that's a win. <laughs> yes. I needed a win today. I, yeah. My daughter wasn't getting into her nap. And so I felt, I know I shouldn't, but I already took on the mom guilt of I couldn't get my child in a nap on time. And so I feel like not a good mom, but I know I'm all right. I know everything's all right. And I just need to let it go. But I needed a little win to start this <laughs> I I get you but believe me be like how many kids do you have is this the first one it's this my it. first yeah. so oh, yeah. I'm kid number two you're gonna be like are you asleep I don't know whatever you're gonna be in there for a while have fun bye <laughs> you'll figure it out if you get tired enough you'll fall asleep this you will know, teach you it helps create intelligent children to let them entertain themselves a little bit so you know okay yeah <laughs> yeah you know I'm trying to teach her uh I'm not trying I am teaching her and she's really teaching herself how to be independent but it's more so been a, a teaching learning journey for me how to let go because I want to make sure she's safe and protected and having a good time and all of her needs are met and all of this and na 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 like I might as well just bake her cake put her in it and let her eat all around it and just like have her balloons and like I'm I know I am like that and I know I need to let go of that I idea of always being there and all you know but I'm learning to let go slowly but surely and there are certain moments that kind of happen that I feel God's talking to me and he's just like today's the day you can let go of this piece and I just feel at certain times like oh today I can let you know other people watch her today I can let her go to sleep on her own today I can it's just been it's such a trippy journey it's hard I just think it's straight up difficult and it doesn't really get any easier as they get older it actually gets harder because the things you're having to let go of are freedoms and responsibilities that are more dangerous, you know, Mm. and more difficult. And so, I mean, I have a just turned 14 year old boy and I have Mm. a seven year old girl. And with my boy, I feel like God's telling me that every day, let go, let go, let go, you know, let me have him. Let me do Mm. this now, you know, um, especially as they get to the place where they're not as interested in hearing your opinion and taking it in as you know. I'm not emotionally ready for that. (laughs) I'm not, (laughs) I I, I can't even imagine her saying, no, I don't want to listen to that mom or you're wrong. (laughs) Mom, I'm not ready, it already hurts. Oh, it's really, it's really difficult, but um, it's interesting. God's taken me through an interesting path where I kind of, I was forced to do that. and and let go and i've watched while some things didn't go great i have seen how faithful god has been to my kids and i have seen um growth anyways you know Mm. so i just think uh it it is good at some point (laughs) to just tell yourself yeah let go uh every once in a while you have to let them be independent you have to let them do things on their own as they get older you have to give up more ground otherwise what you end up doing is you create um little monsters to be honest you know Mm. kids that don't know how to do anything on their own and believe me that is the last thing you want you do not want to be babying your 10 year old 11 year old 12 you know you want them to have that independence so yeah uh, but it's hard it's just hard it's hard I've been like better at it I think I do a better job at the physicality of it so I let her explore the kitchen and the bathroom and I let her jump heights and you know because then she kind of learns on her own that way but certain emotional needs it's almost like I kind of need her in a way and so I'm in the morning I'll even pray like okay God how do I serve you today because before I've been so focused on like, okay, God, help me with this, help me with that, you know, kind of asking God to help me with my agenda. Whereas recently I had this turn where I was like, that needs to stop. I need to ask God how's that can be of service to him and be a vehicle of service. Cause 
you know, I've been handed this kind of opportunity and this honor to raise, you know, his daughter as well. So it's like, right. okay, right now it's my time to take care of her and help her with all of her needs. And uh, now that she's walking, I'm like, okay, go and explore, you know, I've let go of always carrying her, you know, but the emotional aspect of like, kind of like you said, okay, it was came to that time that you understood that you have to let go of your baby boy. And I'm excited to actually hear that story. Uh, but I, and I know I have to do that. I'm just, uh, I'm always already worried about it. I know she just, you know, pray about it instead of worry about it. But it is something that's occupying space in my head where I'm like, how do I emotionally let go, go and say, right. That's, I, I don't know. I think it's appropriate with how young your little one is to feel that way though. I mean, there's supposed to be that mom kid connection, right? And you, you feel things, you have this intuition and this sense, and you don't even understand that until you become a mother, right? This intuitive thing that happens where yeah. you know your kid and you know your kid better than other people do. And you better know that you know that because other people will come along and try to push you into doing things or say things, uh, you know, that your kid needs or doesn't need that, you know, they don't. And I think mom's intuition is one of the great gifts. That's one of the greatest things on the planet Earth, right? So I think it's okay for a little while to have that really, <laughs> that like, no, I'm going to spend time with my child, you yeah. know, connection. But but like you said, if you are putting God first and if you're asking him what he wants of you, then you're going to be doing this in a healthy way. And I, I love that Bible verse that says, raise up a child in the way they should go, because mm -hmm. it really implies you're not, you shouldn't be raising yourself. You're not raising someone that's just like you. You've been given a life that's it's unique. It's its own. It's not an this. Your children are not an extension of you. We can't see our children that way. They're independent wow. beings. And so we need to raise them the way they were created, not mm. the way we were created. And so both my kids are really different personality wise. And I've noticed that the things that were effective for my son are not necessarily effective with my daughter. And that mm -hmm. verse really came to mind of just like, she's different. She is a unique being and she has unique needs. And so I have to parent her differently actually than I yeah. parented my son. And that's okay. That's actually how God set it up. I think it'd be really boring if we had children that were just like us, you know? So um, I, I just love that concept of just asking God because you need help with that, you know? I love that verse. I love that saying. I think I've known it uh, like in my mind mentally that like, of course, every kid is different. And of course, everyone does things differently. But there's been this because I've been looking at this motherhood relationship that I have with my daughter. It's kind of like uh, she's teaching a lot about myself and I've actually been able to heal a lot of like past trauma and my own relationship with my mom and her parents, whatever. Uh, and certain things that I do, I know I do, now that I think about it, I know that I do them because I want to do things different that were done to me. And now I don't want to do it that way because I'm only doing them to make sure she doesn't feel how I felt. But I should be raising her, attending to her needs, which I am. But I think in one way, I am, like you said, parenting myself almost, which is oh, yeah. fair. We all do that, though, because we all have those triggers. Yeah. Like I have triggers from my childhood and those triggers cause us to swing the pendulum the other direction. Mm. And, you know, so those things, I think, you know, just like you want to go into a marriage whole and ready, yeah. um, you definitely want to go into parenting as much as possible whole and ready so that the things that normally would trigger you, maybe you're able to objectively look at them and say, no, that's my trigger because of my past. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe though, instead of swinging the pendulum the opposite direction, there's a healthy middle or a healthy balance where, um, you know, I'm not so afraid just because, you know, my parent made this mistake or this happened. Yeah. You know, yeah. I love that so much. I was trying to spend a lot of time um, clearing all my demons that I had within. Like I mentioned, I had like the trauma, the stuff that happened before. And right before I got pregnant, there was something that happened. I like, I stopped drinking. I was working out. I got more connected to God. And then when I got pregnant, I mean, I got really close to God and things just really made sense. And I somehow just started a journey of trying to clear myself because I didn't want to put any pressure on my child that I wasn't ready to deal with, if that makes sense. Like I didn't want to mm -hmm. pass on some sort of a stress or a thing just because it's something that I carried. I didn't want her to carry it in any way. And so I was trying to heal myself and that process kind of started now that I think about even prior to and I think it was just mm -hmm. God stepping in saying hey let me get you ready for some of these steps and I'm 
I'm still, like I said, I'm still learning every day where I'm like, oh, this is a trigger and I'm responding to my own idea, my own thing in here, but I'm deflecting it almost, whether it be on my husband or on my child, and I'm mm. making sure that they don't feel a certain way. Right. Well, you're like my responsibility. Ahead, ahead of most people. I mean, I wasn't there with my first, when, when he was little, I was like not that self-aware at all. And, um, I was a good mom. I was a present mom. I loved him. I adored him, but I was not working on some of those triggers. I had not thought about how I was parented growing up was going to affect my parenting style. And, and even in my marriage, like, man, there, it was just a mess. So good for you. I feel like you're like a thousand steps ahead of where other people are at. I'll take the compliment because I'm just learning to just take compliments instead of deflecting and saying other things. I'm just going to say thank you and I will humble down. Very but I want to know, uh, it's, it's all a learning process. I feel like each time I have like a podcast, it's my own therapy session that I just like go through. Uh, but I want to hear, at least that's the, if I wasn't learning, then it'd be a whole, what's the point here? But I want to know about your mother. I want to know about you. You're so interesting to me. I'm so like infatuated by you now because you just seem, you're very eloquent and you very well put together, which makes me think those things that you're talking about, you have like, you feel very confident in them and you believe them through your heart. It's not just like, whatever, whatever. This is something that you truly believe in in the way that you, like it's very genuine and authentic and I love the things that you're saying, but I wanna know how did you get here? What is your story? And I wanna know about how it was with your first versus now your second. So yeah, my, um... I am now in my second marriage. Luckily, been married eight years to a very good man, and we have a good marriage. Um, my first, my firstborn is from my first marriage. I got married pretty young. I don't know how old you are, but I got married when I was twenty um, to high school sweetheart. I'd grown up in Christianity, American Christianity. I know it backwards and forwards because I went to Christian school from kindergarten through high school. So, so many of the Bible teachers I had were seminary professors. I mean, I just, I was embedded in that. And I really felt like I did meet God as a child and I kind of had a passion for the Lord as a child, but lots of trauma, lots of stuff happened in my teens and, um, threw me, threw me way off. I did a lot of things wrong. You know, I, I really did. Um, God let me get the kind of the worst. He, he let me have the two by four. And I look back and I realize that it was only in that crushing that I was going to let go of my old version of things, my old worldview, my old filter, and actually seek, like be humble enough to not take my preconceived notions of who God was into my future and to wow. let him reform who he was in my life, to let him forgive me, to get rid of my pride, to recognize that I am a dark, I am just as dark a person as and everybody else. We all are capable of darkness. And until you face that, I actually don't believe you can be a good parent until you face your own darkness. You have got wow. to face the fact that you have darkness in you, that you are capable of evil, that you are capable of doing the wrong thing because that it almost frees you to yeah. say, you know what? I know I have a choice. This isn't, you know, me escaping and oops, it happened. Every moment is a choice. You know, you have the choice to do the right thing or the wrong thing. There is a path there. And, yeah. um, and I think people just do life. You know, they just go about doing life, go about parenting, go about, and they're not thinking, you know, they're not really thinking about the impact. They're not really thinking about what this means. They're not thinking about when you experience your own darkness too. I think um, this might be a good segue into, into something else you brought up. But when you face your own darkness and you realize how destructive dark things are, uh, you really see technology and media differently. And you really care about what you put in your mind and what you put in your kids' minds and what you're allowing your family to like ideologically to be exposed to. Because um, it all starts growing. They're all little seeds. Something I was quickly going to mention, but you mentioned that pressure. There's like that saying where diamonds are made under pressure. That's the only way to make a diamond. If not, we're just all kind of rocks sitting there and we can't shine. We can't help others. We can't do and shine like God wants us to. And so sometimes this pressure is kind of applied. So then we finally crack and say, oh my gosh, I've been so blind because 
constantly we're fed, like you're saying with the technology, we're fed with this information, this culture idea, the society expectation of how things should be, um, whether it's going to school, the college, the marriage, the thing, there's like all these steps, this picture that's kind of painted for you that you're supposed to follow along. And so we just kind of go and do it. And then we complain about the things that are the external things we share about them, which is so weird because now we share about them really openly on social media and for everybody to see and for everybody to kind of exploit anything. Um, but we're kind of consumed in that, uh, but not necessarily looking within our home and what's happening in our home, which is, I'm very passionate about parenting because, uh, you know, certain things happen. I want to make sure, like, I, I just have this belief that, like, parents are so important and crucial in kids' lives because until the age of three, they learn so much and absorb it all in. If there's fights, if there's conversations, how the mom and dad treat each other, what do the words say when the other person's not in the room? You know, they just take it all in and then mimic it in their own certain way. And then you see them grow. And if you're not attentive to it, it's like, well, why is my kid doing that? It's like, oh. Why is my kid yelling? I'm yelling at them. It's like, well, why do you think they're, you know, like those things start appearing, but we don't, we don't take the time to sit and actually like work it through and get down to the why. And it's because we're so busy. Now it's this whole culture of like moms and dads should work. Everybody's working, put your kids in daycare so everybody can work. And then you're so busy working. All you want to do when you get home is decompress, which is what TV, social media, just scroll through pointlessly just so you can let go of the day and then the day's over. But we miss the the breakfast, lunch, and dinner conversation of just like, well, how was your day? Well, what happened? How did you handle it? What could have we done differently? How can I support right. you in this need? And just being there, being so, so present because our time is limited now. Our time is not occupied. That's what all the social medias are fighting for. The TikTok, the Facebook, it's like, well, how much time is everybody spending on our app? How do we get more of their time. That's so exactly that, right. Yeah. If that time is occupied yeah. by the by strangers. Our time That's, is occupied by strangers. Yeah. You are letting there's a great uh Bible teacher that I love and one thing that he said and it really resonated with me is he said, you know, I have these parents who come to me and they're just so shocked at the choices their children are making as teenagers and they're doing all these things that are against scripture and you know And they'll say, well, I, you know, I didn't raise my kid to do this. And he'll ask, well, how much media do they have? How much, you know, time do they spend on social media? How much time have they been spending watching TV, all that, you know, and inevitably it's plenty of time. It's the same time as everyone else. And he said, well, yes, you did raise your child to think that way. When you let media raise your children, you are not raising your children. And when we let media um, kind of uh, educate us, we're not let we're not giving time to the Lord to educate us. You know, that's Mm. something that I think has been revealed to me a lot lately is um, we are all escape artists. For some odd reason in this culture, we are all so desperate to get online and to escape our actual physical reality. And I have no idea why that is. I don't know if it's the addiction of blue light itself. There's a lot of theories behind that. I don't know if it's because we just don't want to face that. Like I said, it's a lot of work to face your own darkness and to realize your children have darkness too. And to go, yeah. okay, we're going to deal with that. We have to deal with that. My children are not perfect. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to screw up. They're going to shock me with their horrible behavior. And I got to be ready for that. You know, all yeah. of that stuff, that takes emotional energy. And it's almost like we've become lazy. We're either overworked or we're lazy. I'm not sure what it is. Um, but one both. of both, probably both. But you I know, think there's a difference of like physical activity and emotional activity. Yes. And although yeah. being attentive to your kid isn't necessarily physically demanding it is very emotionally demanding so you can feel really drained only after 15 minutes instead of doing it for eight hours and so it it just then comes down to like how much time do we have to spend on certain physical needs or emotional needs within our family and i think with social media they made it so easy to feel validated with anything whether it's your status of how you're feeling right now or this picture you took or this video you created or whatever it might be and instead of getting the validation that i think we should get from our parents from our family knowing that like hey my mom and dad are proud of me i'm proud of me i know god is looking down he's proud of the choice i'm making instead of that right now it's how many notifications did i get and now we're almost addicted to that notification scroller on your right. phone that's going and, off the, and, like, and the wrong things are popular right 
you know, the more sexual yeah. the post, the more popular the post, the more, yeah. I mean, this is a disaster. And if you think about it from that perspective, again, you're just training kids, you're training yourself and you're training kids to value the wrong things. I mean, the, the doing the right thing um, matters whether it's in front of people or not. But the problem yeah. is so much of what's in front of people that is validated and loved is not the right thing. And so we are, and then we don't, yeah, we don't have the time to, un, okay, we don't have the time to raise our kids right. And we don't have the time to undo the damage that we're allowing them to be exposed to. That, that we have just added a burden in our parenting world that I don't think we really comprehended. You know, you, it was already hard to raise good people. Now we have to undo trauma from social media exposure and from pornography exposure and from, from violence, just the violence in television programming. Yeah. How many murders do we have to watch before we think, you know, maybe we're just like the Romans in the Colosseum. They were entertained by real murders. We're entertained by fake murders. Is it what the only difference is, you know, it's not a real murder, but to your brain it is. Yeah. So yeah. aren't we just as desensitized as they are? And isn't that some of the problem that we're seeing in culture? So I think we have a huge problem with raising children and with media because it is biased and it is not biased for the family, for godly things. It is biased against those things. Once the and, drama, once the family yeah. unit divided, it wants that yeah. hypeness, it wants the, the chaos. What, you know, I don't think we're prepared because as much as, I, you know, I'm just thinking about myself, how would that conversation look like with my daughter? And because I haven't really thought about it, it hasn't been taught to anybody of how to unlearn those things. Besides of just not being exposed to them, it's like having those conversations because the media kind of exploded within the last... I, don't, I want to say 10 years, but probably even before that, like our parents' generation really got affected. They were so new to them. They didn't even know that right. there's bad things or good thing, you know, or however you want to look at it. But then slowly, I think within this generation, more outlets, people are starting to see the, the evil that's behind it and starting to unwrap it a little bit. But just acknowledging it is a great step towards it. But I don't know if there's been yet a step of what you're talking about. How do we now that we know that, what do we do with this now? How do we bring this new knowledge into our families and explain to our kids and to our spouses and to ourselves? Hey, yes, I saw that. Yes, that was entertaining. But was that the right thing? How do you actually feel about it? Do you, does it, you know, is this like a, and just sit down and have those conversations. I don't know if that's been even on the radar. I don't know if it, it certainly has been for us. We talk about it a lot. We know a lot of people and have, uh, you know, in my music world, I've done a lot of benefit shows for um, anti-sexual trafficking organizations, people that help people get out of these industries and, um, and get out of slavery, basically. And so I became aware of some of the issues specifically with social media and technology and, and the trafficking piece um, a while ago. And so, you know, with my oldest, I've had a lot of conversations just educating him. But one thing that I think has been really um, significant in our lives and in our family lives and some things so I'm right, I'm finishing up a book I've been writing about the church in America and the Western church for a while now, and it's finally done. And one, you're one, such an amazing person. I'm like oh, in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. I want to have you on every single day and just talk to you and learn more things that you have to say. I, You're really sweet. But go on. No, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> no, no, this is, this is all God's. This is all God's. I, like I said, but I, it's your I, work of like letting I, him work through and using you as a vehicle, like to fully surrender in a trust fall without someone actually being there to catch you. That is faith. That is full faith that you're going to, that you're trusting God and saying, I will surrender fully to you and you will use me for these benefits to help other people. Like that's just so beautiful to me. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I feel like God's kind of put all of us in that position with COVID, you know, with the lockdowns and everything. <laughs> yeah. Haven't we, like those of us who understand the Bible a little bit and who understand God with people losing their jobs, everything. I mean, my husband and I lost so much and it's just like, you know, God's been faithful. He will continue to be faithful. His plan is better than ours. He knows what's going yeah. on. And it's, you know, the fear is what wrecks your decision-making skills and all that, right? So you just got to let go yeah. of that fear. But um, 
You know, I was going to say one thing, and even with COVID, this was a big deal. One thing that's really changed our family, but also has been really revealing to us is taking an actual Sabbath, being biblically accurate and saying the Sabbath day, God designated, he said, rest from your regular work. He said, take that day and make it different than other days. And so we take a Sabbath every week. Um, the Sabbath, remember, was made for us. We need that rest. We need that mental rest. We need that spiritual renewal. Taking that day and taking technology out of it, not getting on social media as much, not um, watching television, you know, not letting the kids have access to that. Like, we're going to have family time. We're going to do devotions. We're going to go to church. We're going to, um, you know, all of that. That just being obedient in that piece has changed our family life, but it's also been really revealing because mm. it shows how much you want. Like if you can't take a 24 hour period off from social media, you might have a problem, right? I think that's an addiction yeah. thing. I heard that if <laughs> yeah. you can't go, uh, if you can't do dinner without drinking just one glass of wine, if you have to have a second drink, yeah. then it could be considered an addiction where you can't just stop after a little bit you have to feel like you keep going and that's at that point already considered exactly it's exactly that and it's kind of this proof that god gave us to say do you really think i'm god you know mm. to not work on that day and to give up these other things if you're not willing to do that you have do not have me on the throne of your heart you have something else there because mm. it's god who provides right it's yeah. not us the second you give up that day and you stop working and you stop like spinning your wheels and you let God take over, you are proving to yourself and to the spiritual world and to your physical world, you have God on the throne in your heart. And so wow. because of this incre incredible sign and testimony of who you serve, um, but it also is a trust, it's a, it's a trust exercise, right? Yeah. It's that life will continue. Even if I take a complete 24 hour break, he's got it. And I do trust him. Wow. And I was the way you described it. I'm picturing, you know, like the social media and having the chains on us because we're so addicted to it. It's like we're the slave to it. So we constantly have to go back and make sure we're updating everyone on what we're doing. And this is now, and now we're posting this. And now we have to comment on this and reply to this. And we're constantly just going back and making sure that all of it's updated. Whereas delegating deliberately a day to say, I choose God and I trust Him that everything will be fine because it will time that everything will just it's fine but we're so it there's that i guess fear that something will happen if you don't reply fast enough or if you don't do i don't know where it comes from just we I, just I, I think we're just a lot more addicted it. than we think i struggle with it for sure you know i struggle to not go to my phone on that day and i don't always do it perfectly and i go i gotta work on this you know i need i need yeah. to put that boundary up because it's not only good for me but it, again it's that example to your kids i mean it's amazing the types of conversations you get to have with your kids when they're like why don't we get to do this on this day but that becomes the opportunity you know the teaching opportunity in the moment to say no you know what we're not gonna we're not gonna watch that today but if you want to watch something let's watch a teaching from one of our favorite teachers and let's talk about it or let's sit down let's read a bible verse together or let's just play a game as a family like let's designate this to be a separate day we can have fun let's have family time. I mean, it's just supposed to be a day of rest, right? Yeah. So it becomes this, but it just keeping that every single week has changed things so much in our, in my life and in our family life. And I, I, I think it's the first step, you know, if you believe in God and you believe in the God of, of the Bible, go to Exodus 20, read about this thing. It says it's a sign forever between God and his people forever in the Hebrew does mean forever. It's the word for for always. So we are supposed to be keeping the Sabbath day as his people. And it's for these reasons. And I have found that keeping that day, it's almost I number. It turned around. So I'm a musician, by the way, and God asked me years ago to keep the Sabbath day in the Bible, which is Friday evening to Saturday evening. And I have to tell you, especially when That's I didn't have a lot of money, time. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know? I was like, I don't think so. This is when That's I make a prime money. time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is prime time for me. And God was like, well, you know, and so he worked on it. Worked what on a it, worked choice on it. to make for God specifically to know that like, 
don't you think I know that Friday is, right. you know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's asking you to make that choice to say, I am committed to you, God, in his. Exactly. He knew. He knew what he was asking, but I yeah. was appalled. I was fairly appalled at the very beginning. <laughs> um, but then when I started doing it, what is so interesting is I didn't lose money. I don't know mm. how. I can't tell you how. I didn't lose money. And I, I, I had other gigs start coming up and midweek stuff and other opportunities and more producing opportunities, whatever. God took care of me. And I thought, you know, he is so good. He does not like you take a step towards him. He's meeting you. He's going to meet you. Mm. And I think. Again, just that first step, that was kind of the first thing that was outside of what my norm had been growing up in American Christianity. That was like the first thing that I learned where I was like, man, if we really kept the Bible, if we really looked to God as he is in scripture, it does change your life. It changed my life. My life is different now because I've been keeping the Sabbath now for five or six years. My life is different and it's different for the better. That like, instead of being burdened by losing that day of work, I now look forward to that day every week it's my favorite day of the week and I feel like if I don't get to keep it the way like I feel like he's calling me to I feel the chaos Mm. in my mind that week like Mm. you we are made for this like this day is for our benefit it's a blessing I mean think about what other god what other taskmaster is excited to give you a day off when is social media encouraging you to take a day off when is your boss like super excited that you're not working that day and making them money only a good father gives you rest and that's for us and so I think for us like for my parenting, for my sanity, for technology, for all of those things, just that one thing has changed so much for us. I love that. You know, what it made me think of is I'm just reflecting back and there's, there's these certain moments that I have with my daughter when her and I just kind of look at each other and everything around just kind of stops. We're just so present and we're in tune and there's no distractions and it could be, you know, she's playing, we're playing a game, we're going through the book. She's got this little Bible that we read and she likes all the animals in it, but we're just really present. And I, I know and I feel it in my heart that this is the bonding that's making us grow stronger. And then taking that relationship and applying it to God, because God is our father. So it's like, how do you get close to your father? You spend time with it. You put everything down and you spend time with God and you allow him to take the day saying, hey, today we're going to go to the park and just listen, you know, hang out on the swings. And you're like, okay. And through that relationship, that bonding relationship with our father, we can strengthen our family and the relationship we have with our kids. Because they're going to look back on these days and remember, you know, Monday, Thursday, we're busy, we're running around, all of this. But hey, Friday, Saturday were my favorite because I got to just spend so much time with mom and dad. And we just talked about my pink shoes and that was really cool because they were just so there you know instead of like looking at the phone or trying to get to the email or thinking you're late or this it just I think about like our phones constantly need to be charged you know like oh phone needs to be charged or they don't work and I think about it in human form like of course we need to be charged you know sometimes you just need to go and take a shower sometimes you just you just need to recharge but God is providing us and telling us hey I'm literally giving you a special day to make sure you show up kind of like parent rights where it's like this is my day why would you go and work on the day you're supposed to spend with me it's almost like a slap in God's face saying like you're not worthy of my time I would rather be spending it doing something else it totally is. I, I have a dear friend who said um, he views the Sabbath as it's like family dinner and God mm. sets the table and he's set a meal and he looks down the line and when he doesn't see you there, you're so there's this part of it that says, you know, when you're not keeping the Sabbath, you're cut off from your people. And it's a consequence of not keeping the Sabbath. And if you think about it in that light of sitting at a dinner table with your family, you automatic you cut yourself off from your people right when you don't show up you're not yeah. with your family that day and I, th- I i really i'm trying to teach my kids and oh, you know god help us even even you know the people in the bible had children who were wayward and so i pray both my children just love the lord and follow him all their lives but yeah. i'm trying to teach them that if you plug yourself into god's family 
Mm. that you have that stability, that you have that place that's always home. And if you, you know, if you're plugged into the Lord, like you talked about, if that's where you're getting your energy from, you can face the storms of this life. It's going to be okay. You really do have a rock. It is so different than relying on anything else. And I've gotten to experience that personally just because of all the wreckage I've personally have caused in my own life. But, you know, I, I don't want my kids to have to experience it that way. So yeah. I feel like teaching them, doing these the, these these times that God has said, these are mine and we're going to do them every week. If you want to know me, do them every week. That through those, hopefully my kids will learn a lot of the things that I, you know, I haven't learned until I started keeping those things and doing those things. And it does, it becomes this extension. Like if, if God's where you get your energy, his family becomes, you know, it extends into your family and yeah. we need that. We need that because culture is hard right now. And it yeah. is not easy to raise kids. And it's, I mean, think of the statistics of like when children are exposed to traumatic material and pornography, it's like between the ages of eight and 11. That's I was insane. introduced to it really early, uh, really early. Yeah. I mean, I don't think even know about how. that. It's so much more available now. I mean, I'm 30, so this was like 20 years ago. So now it's even, it's at a click of a button. There's... It's, it's really scary. It's really scary. And it's even more acceptable now, which is weird because before it's like, hey, you don't know who you're talking to. Don't get, you know, don't talk to strangers online. But then now with like people who drive food delivery or Uber, we're expected to just get in those cars and open the doors for those strangers. And we're inviting strangers. In. I know it's so weird. I feel so, anytime anyone delivers food to our door, I make sure they know my husband's home. My dog is barking really loud. I don't. I, I'm like. I want to show up with guns. Just be like, oh, you're just bringing cheeseburgers. I just yeah. have these available because <laughs> they can see inside your home. They can then come in and say, oh, I'm here to fix your fireplace. And you're like, oh, sure. I didn't know my husband called you, but like, come come in. Like, we're just inviting people to come see and getting to know our schedules. They can look online and just see how available we are. They know the names. Like. From stuff that I post, I'm so at fault of this, but from stuff that I post online, anyone can almost show up at my house and be like, oh, your daughter's name this and your husband, I know everybody, I'm part of your family because I know this and this and this, let me just, and I, I'm i said to like teach my daughter to make sure she, we're, we're doing no secrets in the family because I don't want any adult, no grandmas, no anybody saying, hey, we're going to get ice cream, just don't tell your mommy, like no secrets at all because I, I don't even want her to know what a secret is because there's nothing she should keep from me until she's you know, 15, 16 with her girlfriends, which has a crush on, like whatever, all that. But I, I, I am so worried about all of the predatory stuff that happens online and in physical world that I want to protect her from it. But then again, at the same time, I'm at fault because I'm, you know, posting pictures of her. I'm posting all of this. And I, now I'm like, what do I do? I, I want to say like, let me unplug from everything. But I know that's not the realistic way to do it so maybe just pulling it back and doing it in a healthy way of like i don't know i don't what do you think you know i'm kind of taking the um mean mommy approach because like i said i think i've realized it's way harder to undo damage than to not do the damage in the first place so i don't post a lot of pictures of my kids online I, although i have like you said if somebody wanted to like figure out who my kids were they probably could and um, that's hard. You know, I think that's hard on kids to not have any privacy growing up. They didn't choose that. Like, I want them to choose that for themselves someday and to not have like all these pictures and all this stuff about them online if they don't want that. Um, yeah. they, don't, they don't have to choose that, right? We do have a choice. You know, my sister's not on any social media pretty much. She was on Twitter for a while. I don't know if she got back on, but she really isn't on Facebook or anything like that. And her life has continued on. You know, she's fine. Um, so I, I also think about the fact that these companies on the other side of them, they see your children and they see you as a product. You know, yeah. they are constantly trying to find ways to advertise to you and use your information to advertise to other people. And it is such yeah. a usury thing that's happening that I'm just not a fan of the whole system. And I also think there might come a day when God asks us to unplug, when he's like, you know, it's time, it's time to go. Yeah. And you have to leave your technology behind. And we have to be able to live outside of technology. I just saw this story, uh, that just was off. I just saw it right before I got on here. That's that this 
I can't remember if it was a man or a woman um, disguised themselves basically as a 13 year old and went into the metaverse basically and was I mean, immediately approached by men in the metaverse, you know, talking about doing sexual things. There's like strip clubs and stuff you can go to in the metaverse. There's all this stuff you can do. There's right. All this stuff. And a 13 year old could have access to it. And it's like, what are, what are we doing? What exactly are we doing? Because when you traumatize people, what you can end up doing is you can end up having control over their personalities. And so what we don't want is to voluntarily traumatize our children. Why would we do that? Why are we doing this? I, I have a big like call to parents. You know, I say it every time I talk about it. Don't do this. You don't have to. You don't have to hand your 10-year-old an iPhone with access to the internet. internet. You don't have to. You don't have to be the kid that exposes other children to pornography. You don't ha- that doesn't have to be your kid. We don't have to do this. We are choosing to do this and we pay for it big time because iPhones are not cheap and (laughs) we are making that choice. But we, you know, I grew up, my parents were super strict with me in ways that might not have been actually helpful. (laughs) But they were. It's hard hard to use it as a reference. It's always hard to like, well. They they did it this way, but it didn't really work out. No, but, but, um, with with technology, I'm fine with it. You know, I don't look back and regret playing outside versus playing video games. I actually don't regret that. That's not part of my childhood I look back on and and feel badly about. I actually look back on my child on that part of my childhood fondly. I'm so glad that I played outside. I'm so glad that I climbed trees. I'm so glad that I rode my bike. I don't regret that. If you love your kids and you are kind and you educate them about what things are and you talk to them about why and you are open and honest with them, I really honestly believe they will survive just like I'd survived not having a bunch of technology around. It's not, you know, a lot of people, well, don't they have to learn how to use it? Did you? When I was in college was finally when I first got access to an Apple computer. We all got apps and all of this garbage at what point? Like five years ago, seven years ago? Was it hard it to out. was it hard to learn? Yeah. It wasn't hard to learn. I'm not worried about the education piece. I mean, yeah, let your kids use computers, let them learn how to use Word documents and type papers and do research, teach them how to do good research, that's important. But to just hand them access. Um I have a teacher that he talks about the internet being the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm-hmm. And I think it is that modern day tree. I think what what Adam and Eve ate was the good fruit, right? It looked good. It was delicious. It was pro- it was the good th- part of it. It wasn't the bad fruit. Mm. And we look at the internet the same way. Well, there's so much good on there. They can learn so much. They can watch videos. But for all of this knowledge, are we smarter? Are we wiser? Are we a better? Um, are we better people? Are we less addicted? Are we more addicted? I would I would yeah. venture to say we're more addicted. Um, and so the problem with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is it does not give you life. It can't give you life. And so mm. no matter what side of that tree you're eating on, you are still eating from the tree that produces yeah. death in the long run. And so we have to, I just think we need to rethink this concept. Well, it's not really realistic to keep my kids from technology. Okay, I get that. My kids watch TV sometimes. Like, we've got shows. I don't have Netflix. I don't have a lot of stuff. But, you know, we watch movies and stuff. But um, what you're saying by saying that is I'm not willing to help my child not be traumatized. That's all I hear when parents are like, well, I let them have an iPhone. But I put, like, some guards on it. And you know how smart kids are. And it's like, are we, I just think it's naive. I I really believe that Christians need to pull out instead of pushing in and saying, we're gonna influence this. No, you're not. There's a bias to these technologies that you didn't create. You didn't create the technology, so you don't get to dictate the bias of them. You're not gonna change what the technology is used for. 33 trillion pornographic images last year online. Most of what people are doing online is something you don't approve of. So don't tell me you're going to go in and influence it. You probably aren't. You can use it as an adult. You can put the boundaries up. But your children, (laughs) you know, your children should be protected until they're smart enough to do the boundary themselves, which they're not at 9 and 10 and 11 and probably not 12 either. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm a big like I'm a mean mommy. 
No, I think that's good. I think it's important to create those boundaries and it's hard. I, with my daughter, I'm so dedicated about like, we spend so much time outside and I'm excited to get into the garden. I wanted to learn trees and fruits and like, how do we grow things on our own? Uh, but then on the same time, I'm also like, I'm producing this like kids show entertainment YouTube channel for like kids to be able to learn words and like play and all of this. And then I'm like, cause in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to help kids or help moms to like find new activities to do with them. Cause we do all these activities and things and like the playtime. And I want to, my original goal is like to, to help moms to know how to spend time with their kids. Cause going online, I saw all these posts of moms who didn't know what to do. And so I was like, I'm, maybe I'm helping, but then it's like, but then if I'm the arrow guiding them into the internet, is that helpful? Well, I think shows like that, you know, I even think the platform you use really makes a difference, right? So if you were sending that video out to me and I was getting great ideas of some stuff to do with my kids, like there's nothing wrong with that, right? So, um, you I know, hope. it just, it, <laughs> <laughs> but if it's like godly, I mean, you know, eventually YouTube's going to flag it or they're not going to let you monetize or whatever. Are you like I've heard there there was a woman I was listening to and she does some of that. And she was having this problem with YouTube where they were putting advertising on those videos that she did not approve of. And she was really upset about it. So she had to demonetize her videos and she was like, I got to find a different route to do this. And so, again, what you're dealing with is the bias of the platform. You know, yeah. the bias of the algorithm is working against believers because they don't want you to educate in the ways of God, because I really believe God wants us to understand nature. Like you're talking about, get in the garden and learn what seeds are, because then you can understand Jesus parables. If you don't do mm -hmm. that, if you don't know how a garden works, you're not going to understand a lot of what Christ is talking about. Right. And yeah. so the Bible's very natural. It's very much about seeds and trees and plants and fields. And it's yeah. all throughout scripture. And if you're not outside, you're not going to learn it. If we're glued to our TVs, if we're glued to the screen all the time. But, you know, I'm all for people using the technology to do good. I'm just not for handing the full the full version of that technology to our children when they're yeah. young. I just don't think there's any way. Um, I was sneaky. I used to sneak uh, music my parents didn't want me to listen to. How I did that. You know, how, how do you not catch yeah. your kid listening to, you know, what was I listening to? Nirvana. Like, how do you not catch your kid doing that? But they didn't. And it's like, we think we're going to, we think we're somehow going to uh, prevent our children from being traumatized by media while still handing them a phone. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I don't you're want not. my daughter to you're have not. a phone at all. I just don't want her to like, I don't know. I'm not ready for her to have friends or kids or anything. I'm just like, don't leave me yet. We're best friends. We hang well, out all the time. Yeah. I, I'm the same but I'm not way. ready for it when she's older. I'm the same Money way. Open. I don't let my kids spend the night. They don't get to spend the night at anybody's house. I don't house want to. Just, I reasons. don't want to. No. I, because I, I don't know what the other, I'm also, and I don't know if this is too much, but I'm going to home parent, uh, sorry, homeschool her because I don't know what other kids are bringing to school. I don't know what other teachers are showing her. I don't know when somebody else in the classroom is going to say, don't tell your mommy. Like, what is it that you have to tell my daughter that she can't tell me? If she can't tell me, it's inappropriate. And no words should be hitting her ears that are inappropriate in any way or form. And some people are like, well, then it's not, you know, they're not going to get so socialized. I'm like, she's perfectly socialized. She knows how to talk to grown-ups. She knows how to talk to me. She knows how to she knows how to talk to people, but her talking to her peers that I don't know what information they're getting in their homes, that's yeah. going to be an issue for it's me true. because it's she's going to learn things that I, I don't, you know, and that's, I, mean, I guess that's I'm like a why... troll freak. I'm trying no, to control my daughter. No. <laughs> I'm trying smart. to protect her. We're in a different culture now. I mean, that, and that's why I do talk to my kids about media. The con You know, I've had very uncomfortable conversations with my 14 year old that he didn't want to have, but I'm like, your friends are going to have stuff on their phones. They're going to have, and listen, I want you to know who these people are in these videos. What do you know about them? What, hap what happened to them? How did they get there? What's the yeah. average lifespan of people who were involved in that sort of thing? You know, like all of that information. So he's armed. He understands it. He knows what it is. He knows what pornography is. I just don't want to give him a bunch of access to it. But I think you're right in, in having some um, qualms. You know, my, I have a sister who was um, sexually abused by a neighbor, a neighbor's parent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, after that, like realizing, uh, we don't really know 
people the way we used to anymore. It's not like we live in a small town and, you know, if this guy does that to your kid, you're going to have a posse of men who go over and beat him up. Like, that's not happening anymore. There's no accountability. We don't know how many people are addicted to pornography around us. It's a high number. It's higher than we'd like to think. And yeah. I think it's just smart to look out for your kids and be like, we don't, you know what, maybe the next generation we can move back, we can move away from this, these issues, so people can um, trust each other again, because it's not a trustworthy space out there right now. And I felt bad. Yeah. I felt, you know, families are, families are struggling. It's hard. I I see that day in and day out. I was, uh, I was actually abused by family. And because it's so close, and my mom didn't know for the longest time, I just recently told her a couple of years ago, uh, it makes it made me think of like and maybe again and maybe it's my trauma and my own stuff that i'm passing down to my daughter that i'm hoping not to do but because of that i don't trust even other family members because i i don't know what would what's going on at an aunt uncle's house i don't know what's going on when at a grandpa like i just don't know everyone you know it's those stories it's the stories you see on tv where it's like I had no idea. He was a perfectly great neighbor because, like, that's just what we see. We think everyone's this perfect. But what we don't know is what they do at night, that they could be stalking and being creepy or use images for different things. Like, I just don't know. And I am i don't want what happened to me to happen to my – I don't want it to happen to anybody because it has such lifelong, you know, consequences of how yeah. things I like consider and still think about or how even now how I parent, it's obviously still affecting me. And so when people, I think because it's such a gross subject, because it's so icky, we don't talk about it enough. And so we think it's not that big of a deal. Or if it's never happened to you, you could say like, oh, it doesn't happen that often. But it once I started opening up more about it, more and more people start coming to me and saying, hey, this also happened to me. This also happened to somebody I know. It happens so much more often than we even try to look into and try to see how many people are affected by it daily. And that was one of the things I struggled with the pandemic. It's like we're asking people to get locked in with somebody that might be a predator. Right. Because maybe going to school or going to work was their only escape and now they're locked in. And you know that happened to people. And I, I feel like to, you know, as hard as, hard as it is, um, we as believers have a responsibility to not be raising future predators. And I think one of the most important pieces of not traumatizing your children in technology is actually for their future to make sure that they're not taken advantage of number one by someone else or that they don't become that predator because that is usually the route that is the yeah. door you know that's the door into that behavior you know when you look at statistics of men who are predatory or that rape or that abuse children they all use pornography and they are all i mean it is like so many of them are addicted to porn and people don't think people don't understand like how the media has been the gateway into so many of these behaviors. I know those behaviors have always existed, but I get the sense just the same thing. The more women I talk to, um, the more young girls I talk to, the stuff that women have been through, the stuff that um, children are not, like the number of people who have been sexually abused is astonishing to me. And you go, it's, it's probably worse than it's ever been now. Yeah, and that's of people that we actually know, and then there are still so many who haven't said anything about it, whether they're embarrassed, right. they're keeping it secret, they don't want things to come up, they're worried, whatever that the reason might be. A lot of people actually don't even talk about it. So the number, which is already so huge, is just of the people that we actually know because they were brave enough to step forward, say something, whatever it might be. I was also thinking, when you break it down like that, it really makes sense because when you talk about when kids grow up, they mimic their parents so if you have like an abusive relationship at home they're more likely to see that so if you're let's say if your family is not abusive if you're exposing your kids to that murder show that abusive behavior that rape scene whatever it might be kids are just taking it all in and they think it's normal and because it's on tv why wouldn't it be normal if other right. people can film it and view it for entertainment and it is enjoyed and then right. if you're not even making the connection you're like oh well that's a celebrity so maybe this is the way to then become cool and get this validation if i was to act this way and so instead of nurturing the good wolf that's inside we're feeding this bad wolf and saying hey right. these are the things to 
get you attention, to get you what you want, to get whatever it might be. You're planting a seed, yeah. You're normalizing. Yeah. Yeah. You're planting a seed and normalizing, um, making it seem normal that those things happen. And maybe they are more normal now just because of what we've talked about. But um, again, there's there's a bias, you know, I mean, I, I hate to like go all the way to like, I think it's demonic, but I think, um, I think so much think of media is, is demonic. <laughs> I think it really, it is, it is yeah. not. Yeah. It's especially it's with, not I think you see it more with the music videos that have recently come out and all of that. I mean, it's just like right there in your face. No one's even hiding it anymore. No one's even like trying. Um, but because we got so used to seeing those people as the role models and people we look up to like you said it's normalized so it's like oh well no one's closing their eyes at this they're still looking so if you can look it's probably all right if no one's saying close your eyes nothing's bad about it so you want to repeat the behavior you think it's all right to do it you think i mean there's so many different things to think about but I think especially everyone, not everyone, I would not want to say that, but a lot of people in, I, w- I came from Hollywood. Uh, I was in LA for a long time. I did some movies. I did some shows. I was in some sketchy situations. I think God really, really, really protected me. I was really naive to a lot of things. And when my eyes were open, when I got married and when I saw things for, for the truth, when I look back at certain events that happened to me, I don't know how I survived certain things. Like mm. I am so so blessed and I have so many guardian angels who protected me there's been so many not so many there's been so many instances but a handful of situations that I now that I know things when I look back I'm like I was saved by Mm. whatever things happened that I now look I'm like I was literally saved Mm. a spirit literally took my hand it would take took me out of a room one time like I I had a physical reaction once that saved me. I, mm. I know I was going to be raped. I know it was by a director. He was casting as well. He's like, we're going to do all this. And I was still new. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was excited. And uh, he locked the door. He asked the casting director to leave and he locked the door. And it was like a sex scene that he wanted. And I was, I was like, I... My body stopped. You know when you think about those situations, you're like, oh, I'm going to be able to run. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll be so brave. And then when it's happening, you just almost shut down. I escaped. There's been a multiple mm. other ones. But wow. I, uh, you know, you kind of just blame it on maybe almost kind of saying like, well, maybe it just happened to me. Maybe that person's bad. But then once you find out the real truth about Hollywood and everything that's happening there, it's like those are were only baby steps to things that are really are going on, and again, I'm. And you think those are the God people to... making these this material? The, so again, there's your bias, right? Yeah, they're people who are justifying their own worldview, their own behavior probably don't have any problem you know there's there was those shows that came up on netflix that were sexualizing children and why would you why would you make that like in the process of doing that aren't you thinking about what you're making and you realize the whole thing it's like you guys had tryouts you're like well we have three thousand girls that i was like you had three thousand girls do this right Right. And then so, the 100 and then the four that made it and then you filmed right. it over and over and over again and then you edited it and then you went through like there are so many right. people who were involved and they're making these girls think they're they're stars that they're doing this and so they don't even know the trauma that they're causing and then other girls are looking up at them saying, "Oh my gosh, I want to be just like that." Exactly, cuz it's fame and we are again, we're worshiping the wrong things. So again, we think we need technology, but like if you were looking a predator in the eye, you wouldn't let your child stay in the room. So why are we letting these people educate our kids? Why are we letting them indoctrinate our kids? I think I really, you know, my son had this amazing moment with the Lord a couple weeks ago that I had been waiting and hoping he would have, he needed it. Mm. And after, after he prayed this incredible prayer, um, of just repentance, he had this vision that he shared with me that God gave him in that moment. One of the things that came out of the vision, and he said it to me, I'm usually the one telling him this, 
But he said it to me so clearly. He said, we have to get people off of technology. Satan is using this. This is Satan's wow. tool. And yeah. And I was like, what? I was looking at him. I was like, buddy, do you understand? <laughs> what you're saying? Like, yeah. How long? How long I've been trying to tell you this? <laughs> we fight over technology, you know. And and he, um, but he just said it straight up. He said, "I want to tell teenagers. I want to tell people." Oh and gosh. so I'm trying to work with him to kind of help him come up with um, a good little five minute spiel he can give and talk about that. I love um, that. But it, I, I just, I think the people on the other side of this technology. They don't care about you and your kids. They're just using you for numbers, for data, for yes. things they want to get approved to change. They're laws, getting to you addicted, things. so yeah. that you are their their customer for life. Users, yeah. we're users. We're users. Users are meth users, drug right. users. We are internet users. We are social media users. We are all addicted, and we are users. Ah, right. It's gross. It is, it's but gross. it's our it's our responsibility as parents. But it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah, to understand that, to educate our children, but to to keep them from things like we don't let our nine-year-olds drive cars for a reason, right? You're not, you should not let your kid do things that are age inappropriate, right? And yeah. we're the generation that has to do this because we're the ones that actually understand technology. You know, our parents kind of dropped the ball. I feel like um, I don't think they, they were ready it. for what was going to hit them. No. I don't think they know the power of it, honestly, and I don't know if they'll really truly comprehended ever of what goes behind the scenes of what it takes to gather all this information to what it actually does where it is it used um oh, it's hard it's it's hard to think about because when you but we have to think about it yeah i think we have to start the conversation that's where we started the podcast is like well, how do we have those conversations? How do we start the awareness and talking about these things? This is how we do it, is that having these conversations to let people know this is what's going on right now. This isn't like, hey, 10 years from now, whatever. Like it's happening and it's happening aggressively. It's happening now. And I think, um, you know, just to plug moms, I, I feel like stay-at-home moms, moms, I'm a homeschool mom myself now this year. Um, Motherhood has been so degraded also in our culture and we've just thrown it out. Like if you want to be a mom, you know, that is not interesting to people and nobody cares about it. But I have to tell you, I care. I think it's the most important job you're ever going to have. I think be mothers, good mothers are lifesavers. They are going to save the world. And yeah. I think we have to encourage great fathers. But I really do believe the push to do better with technology is going to come from moms. You know, mm. we we are the ones who I mean, even the way women's eyes work are different than men's, right? We pick up more facial expressions. We pick up more in a room. We have that intuition for a reason. We need to be using that. And we need to be looking around the room at our kids and knowing them that well and understanding what's age appropriate and taking the reins, like taking the bull by the horn. I don't care yeah. who in this house is addicted to porn at this point. If if you are, we're throwing the computer out. <laughs> you know, yeah. we are done. I'm. We're not doing it anymore. You know, and I think I just feel like that's going to come from moms. Yeah, we're the boss of the family. Like, of course, the the dad is the head of the household. But when it comes to I think parenting and making sure the family stays together, I think it's a woman's role to step in and say, these are my children and I will protect them. That's right. Yeah. And so, it comes and, with and it's social media. It's so important. Yeah. You know, mom, moms are so great. I love moms. And I hope like, you know, if, if we raise our children, right. I, I want to have a lot of grandchildren. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I need to have more kids. <laughs> I, I want lots. <laughs> you yeah. know? Raise our children. Right. And then they become great parents too. Hopefully. Yeah. No, it's true. Rachel, I love talking to you. I have to get to my daughter, but if at all you would ever want to be on my podcast again, I would love to have, like, I just love talking to you. I think you're so insightful. I think I get ideas. I want to share more of this. I want to share more of your motherhood, more of the Bible stuff, whatever it is that if you ever want to talk to me, I'd love to have you on again because you are, I love your voice. I love, I actually really love your actual physical voice, which I told you at the beginning, but I love the things that you say and how you care because they come from your heart, but I know it's God speaking through you and I want to. I want more of it. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I feel exactly the same. This was a blast. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, absolutely. I hope you have an absolutely amazing day. I'm going to shoot you an email after, but thank you for being on and taking the time. And I love all the things that you mentioned. I, uh, I feel like now I want to take the day off to just like sit with it. I want to, <laughs> I want to talk to God. Like I want to, I want to have my own personal Sabbath of like, keep showing me the right path God like mm. show me help me serve my family better serve myself better serve God better serve moms yeah. better like I wanna I I want to fully surrender and give God the the full reins of what is it that I'm supposed to do what is the big plan instead of focusing on my plan and trying to do things and these little minuscule things which do matter because within my family my world those are important but mm. I I know I know God's got a big plan for me and I I think the things yeah. that n- never worked out cuz I'm like I know it's for a reason even though it's hard to look at it that sometimes but like I just want to I want to dive into it more and see where my place is in this bigger puzzle cuz he's looking mm-hmm. at this big puzzle and it's this beautiful picture but I'm looking at my own puzzle the small thing where I'm like I don't even know where I fit <laughs> I'm just a small puzzle piece Well you're doing so, good you've work. inspired me and inspired me a lot Thank you. Well, you inspired me. I love this. I love this. This is so good. And thank you for serving moms. I think that is so wonderful and important. And just, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to meet other parents out there that love their kids that way and that are putting that role, like servant of God and mom, right? Like, yeah, I know. I love my husband. I do. I mean, we, and, and you got to have that marital relationship first, but motherhood is such a distinct and unique role and you are changing the world as a mom. And so I think the more we can serve moms and help moms, the better, the more that we can bring stuff up to help moms think through their own decisions, you know, think through how you're going to deal with the stuff in your family. Don't just let it slide. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Do go to the Lord and ask him how to map this out and how to plan this and how to speak it into your family's life, because it will change your life. You know, how you approach these things and, um, and moms are powerful and they get to have that voice. And so take it right. Yeah, I want moms to have confidence. I want because it's like you said, they seem to be like degraded. Like it's a terrible thing to be, but like it's so important. You literally are changing the world. You're shaping how the next generation will interact with one another, treat one another, share things with one another. And there's so much that goes into it. And it's such a big responsibility and honor. It's an honor right. to raise another human being to say, "Hey, I'm going to help you learn things until you're ready to be on your own." Right. And it, it's. We have, I want moms to have confidence to have an opinion, not to just take someone else's words from a TV show or whatever, but to have an opinion and stick by it and have a strong spine to say, hey, this is the way we're going to do this in our home because right. I am your mother, I am your guardian, and I will protect you, and this is my way of doing it. Right. Absolutely. I have so much love and admiration for you. I'm really such a fan right now. Oh, I'm such thanks. a big fan. You of too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rachel, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you go and close this up. But I would, if you are at all willing, I'd love to have you on again. Let's do it again. I love it. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being on. And I will see you next time on Mom Your Own Way. Bye.